and welcome to another Scots Wayhey podcast. In this one, we'll be talking to Ian Smith and Murray Easton, two founder members of record label Last Night from Glasgow. It's a fascinating discussion, not just about music and the music business, but about a different way to fund the arts, whatever form they may take. It's quite a long podcast, so um, I'm going to stop here, let you listen to what they have to say, and I'll be back with you after this. Hello everyone, and welcome to another Scotch Wahey podcast, the first of the new year. And tonight we're going to be talking to two of the guys who run Last Night from Glasgow, um, a record label that started last year and which... Um, this rate is on its way to taking over the world, I think. But um, Ian Smith and Murray Eason are with me. Hello, guys. Good Hello. Evening. Hello. And I guess the first question to ask is, why a record label? You go for it. Shall I pitch that? Uh, well, I guess, uh, speaking for myself, I don't know about the rest of the guys, I've been a frustrated, failed, uh, talentless pop star since I was about 13. So I guess I always wanted to do something in music. Never really saw the opportunity present itself and then I guess where most people reach their middle age and start buying Porsches and doing other things I had a eureka moment about September, October last year where I suddenly thought that it might actually be possible to start a record label and make it work uh-huh. uh, Okay. and that kind of blossomed over the autumn, winter 2015 until by about January 2016, I had what I reckoned was the basis of a pretty good idea. Okay. And then, having banded it around to a few people that I knew, spoken to Team Canteen because I knew them, spoken to Joe McAlinden of Superstar, who I knew quite well, I then took the ridiculous notion that the best advice you could get is from somebody that doesn't know you. And probably, I think, a year ago to the day... It might actually be a year ago to the day uh, I sent an email to the man on my left to ask him what he thought about the model I had come up with for a record label. And I'll let Murray pick up and from be there. honest, what did you think about it? I, I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought um, the, the, the concept was bait. So Ian had crowdfunded, he's crowdfunded a lot of records ranging from the wedding present to Team Canteen and things. And it was based around... The crowdfunding concept. Yep. Also, uh, Ian's a big fan of Brewdog. Hope you don't mind me saying that. And again, they were a crowdfunded company essentially. And I come. My day job is as a fundraiser. I work for the British Art Foundation, and I think it just made so much sense to marry up music and the fundraising thing. Limit the risk to us, so that we weren't forking out a lot of money for every release. Um, six of us formed that formed the company. Funded the first release. Mm-hmm. Um. I thought, you know, let's get other people in. And also it was it went back to that kind of word of mouth thing, whereas sure. if we've got members, we've got, you know, 100 or 150, this year hopefully 200 people, talking about each release, tweeting about it, sharing it. Um, excuse me. And, yeah, it just made so much sense. Uh, I think Ian's email came through, I sent him one back, and then I said, what's your number? <laughs> and so we ended up speaking on the phone that night, and, uh, and it was great. So kind of, this is such a good idea, and I want to be involved in it. That's how strong yeah. I felt about it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'd been thinking about. You know, I was approaching a big birthday as well, and I'd been thinking about doing some kind of wee digital label. Mm-hmm. 
but because I know how hard it is for bands to put something out themselves, it does get Absolutely. a lot. Of it. I mean, I've, I've managed bands, um, you know, who've gone on to de- decent things, but putting out self releases is, is really tough in, unless you've got a decent following or some kind of platform. And and that was a word we both used. I think the plug they like to give yeah. bands that kind of platform and, and help and support. So at a time when um, I think a lot of people said I'm going to start up a, a, an indie record label perhaps that wouldn't be the positive reaction you know because it's a difficult thing to be doing what was it about the plan for last night from Glasgow that you thought this is this can work well I think certainly from my perspective uh, I look around the city I live in and I see the real sense of that you know socialist workers cooperative concept at the heart of a lot of things I care about uh, certainly for me and I've said this before and People in the Labour will disagree with my politics and people will disagree with my desires. But I felt Glasgow showed itself to be a truly cooperative socialist city during the independence referendum. I felt mm-hmm. there was a real sense of community grew up, grew up in this city. Okay. And when that ended, it felt to me as if there was kind of a vacuum. There was a lot of hope and aspiration and desire and it wasn't being channelled. With nowhere to go. Yeah, that kind and, of I, and, thing. That's and there's no doubt for me that I was sitting for a good part of six, seven months quite depressed about mm-hmm. the fact all of this hope and drive for something better was going untapped. So I guess, now, it's, it's, it's obviously flawed when you surround yourself with like-minded people that all my friends shared my views. So when I suggested this, 20 of my mates go, that's a great idea. Yeah. Which is exactly why it was important to find the, find the opinion from somebody who did not share my circle of friends or did not share my outlook or whatever it may be. But the fact remains, irrespective of your politics, irrespective of what things drive you, I think most people are fueled by a desire to do good. Yeah. I think generally people like helping other people. And what we really did was give everybody a ready-made opportunity to do something good that they could feel good about themselves. Uh, and it enabled us to interact with bands who themselves would feel good about it. And I think, frankly, we've said this to each other and in board meetings for the year, why no one thought of it before us yeah. staggers us. You know, it seems such a simple idea. Why did no one else come up with uh, it first? Especially because a lot of bands and artists had been using crowdfunding yeah. platforms like Kickstarter, or Pledge Music, um, and labels have been struggling yeah but yeah. we tended to do it for individual projects I think yeah. rather than this idea of a collective being well that was how that was the, the spin that we put on it we just yeah. happened to think of it as far as we know and I guess I guess it, it. it breaks down the initial thing that got me thinking about it was when I did the pledge campaign for Carl and Teen Canteen's album mm-hmm. and I remember uh you know, I remember getting the email about the pledge campaign. I remember looking at it and thinking, well, I can chuck some money at this and make it happen. But I remember at the back of my mind, my primary desire for this campaign was that the album come out in vinyl. Yeah. I remember thinking, yeah, it's great. It's going to be terrific. They'll play a gig in my house. That'll be marvellous. But what I really want is this record to come out in vinyl. And long before I hatched the idea of coming up with setting up a record company, I'd researched how much it would actually cost to make 300 Teen Canteen albums. Right. And I was in the throes of wondering if I could just find 120 mates that would all chuck mm-hmm. in, you know, the 10 quid it would take to pay to press a Teen Canteen yeah. album. And it's, it's that process of thinking, actually, if you all pull together, 
and we built up this idea of a model and then you break it down and build it with a better concept because I think the original plan that I put to Murray was a little more complex than the one we have just now. It was still, in essence, the same basic principle. But what we did is, over a luncheon, Brewdog one day and another luncheon, uh, Doghouse, whatever it was, perversely the bars that Murray's already mentioned, I've got a fancy for. <laughs> I think over those two or three hours and a few meetings and a few chats and discussions with the guys, we knocked it into a shape that, whilst we were nervous about we reckoned we could make work. You know, we could all yeah. find 10 or 12 people who would buy into this. And if right. we could all find 10 or 12 people, we needed 60 to make it work. 100 would be wonderful. Anything above 100, you know, would start to be a bonus we weren't expecting and require more work. And I think it took us about a yeah. month and a half to get the 60 people we wanted. And by the time we actually officially launched the label at the launch night at No Hairdressers in June... We had nearly a hundred members. Yeah. So we so so Ian and I each brought two people to the to the table to right. to, to form a board of six. Um and we met for the first time. The first time the six of us had been in the room. The first time many of us in that six had met each other. And at the end of February, twenty second of February. And you know, we came up with a name and we just had that pool of talent where, you know, Andy said, you know, I'll start the website, I'll register the company name, you know. We just had a really good, a good team, yeah. And that that team has just expanded with the the artists we've got involved and with the, you know, members like yourself yeah. who've, who've come on board. And I think one year, one thing we want to do moving forward is make sure we use the skills more. You know, yeah. like you know, say to people when they're joining the label, you know, what what do you do? And yeah, you know, get more involved in it. You know, we're going to give you all this stuff. Is there anything else? You can I think it's nice with? now that, that what's happening, especially with you know membership renewals. I had a lady I won't name check who renewed today, but if she's listening, she'll know who I'm talking about. Because after renewing, I thanked her. She sent me an email saying, "Look, if ever you need anything, taken anywhere by car, or you want someone to help you out in the door of a launch night, just ask me." Mm-hmm. And so I, handy earlier, I had a guy <laughs> the this morning looking into some legal matters for us as a member of the label and just absolutely delighted to help. You don't want to ask in the first year because in the first year you're saying, give us your money, trust <laughs> right us. Yeah. <laughs> We're a bunch of scallywags who think we can start a record company. Yeah. I would genuinely <laughs> like to think by now that we've got 150, well, we've actually got 190 members as of today, but I'd like to think the vast majority of them are sitting back and thinking that was a good 50 quid I spent yeah so going back to the original model because when you were looking for those members it struck me that you weren't you weren't trying to overreach yourself you weren't going right let's get a thousand people in it was like this is what we want and that's our cut off point yeah. And if you're a bit late than that, well, maybe you can get in next year. But you know, and that made to me made it feel like, well, this is something that um, is is um, one. It's been really thought about. It's not just trying to you know chase every you know yeah. penny or pound yeah. that's out there. But um, there's a control here which kind of makes you think, well, you know, this this is something special. But there also has to be a control there. I mean, I, I'll sell ourselves short when I say this. We all have full time jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have responsibilities, we have families, we have things to do. If we we can only run a company that is manageable on a part-time basis, yeah. 
you can't have a company managed on a part-time basis that's got a membership of a 1,000 because the turnover of that business would require us to be producing twice the number of records we're producing. Yeah. If we started doing that, we'd be spreading ourselves thin. I think as it is a couple of times last year and probably a couple of times this year, you know, we've been running about like headless chickens <laughs> because there's so much going on. But at the same time, we've managed it and we've made it work. So the capping... It's partly because we'd like everyone to feel they're part of something. Mm -hmm. We'd like to know everyone. I'd like to think every member in the label knows me because they've spoken to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'd like to think that I know something and everybody knows something about those members. We want them to feel that they're part of the label. They've got to feel part of it. That means you have to keep it small. Mm -hmm. But there's also the other fact, when you're brass necking it in March last year and going to people and saying give me 50 quid, we're starting a company, we hope to not make a complete <laughs> cod of it, yeah. you can really only ask your mates. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and actually, their mates, don't they? Yeah. Um, and, but the faith that they put into us was, was incredible. Not just our, like, our close friends, you know, yeah. social, social media friends. Yeah, sure. Um, people that you kind of got a, some kind of connection to. But, yeah. um, I mean, I remember I put a post on Facebook one night and, you know, Loads of people are saying great idea, mm-hmm. and that you know we we felt it was a great idea. We wouldn't have gone and run with it otherwise. But um, when other people are saying, "Yeah, we think this is great," there's fifty pounds. They didn't have a clue what kind of music we were bringing out. Well, I guess they knew our taste, but um, they didn't know what artists were involved. Or but I remember sitting in this and maybe this house or a pub one night talking about it, and I remember saying I felt it was incredibly important that we recruited as many members as possible before we put a release out. Mm-hmm. Because the minute we put a release out, we will immediately be labelled as that type of label. So our first record yeah. was a sparse piece of Scots Americana with an Icelandic B-side. Now that's a pretty, in itself, the record itself is quite diverse. But I imagine that everybody that heard that immediately thought, ah, last night from Glasgow at a folk label. Mm-hmm. So we very quickly had M. Wood's record up our sleeve and we also had Stephen Soldo's digital album. So by the time we got to the launch night, we had a piece of bluesy rock touching on alternative indie. We had some nut job iPhone <laughs> electronica and a piece of folk. And everybody that came to that launch night walked away clueless as to the direction of the label. Yeah. So it was really important that people bought into the concept, didn't buy into the music. I think it goes back to what you said really early on, is that there's a desire for people to support, mm. um, for want of a better term, the arts. You know, when arts funding is getting cut here all over the place, someone says, right, um, a, you can support these musicians and get their music out there. A lot of people will be like, before they even hear it, yeah. going, well, I'm right behind that, and if I can help, I will do that. Yeah. And I think also... And I, we've always had this sense of belief that the, the, the fans and the artists and the board and everybody will get together and they'll share a lovely common space, but that was completely proven to us on the night of the launch event where we had 100 people rammed into the old hairdressers. And I've, I've genuinely probably been to 500 concerts, 600 concerts in my life. I've never been to a concert where the audience were as reverential as they were that night. Mm. There was absolute silence for every artist. 
and after everyone played, the artist spent time talking. Stephen had probably never played a solo gig in his life. He was petrified yeah. before he walked on stage, and he came off stage to people saying that his performance had changed their life. <laughs> he left staggered. Mark stood and watched Morgan. Morgan stood and watched Mark. Yeah. The girls from Teen Canteen, who hadn't yet signed to the label, but we hoped would, turned up to watch everyone. And I think everybody walked out the other night having a borderline religious experience. They yeah. thought... There's yeah. something here. What was interesting, I mean, there were so many interesting things. I think I agree with you and the atmosphere from that night. God, I hope we get an atmosphere like that again, but it was very special. Mark had never played with his band before, mm-hmm. never really rehearsed with them. He just knew they were good players that would come in and do a job. Yeah. Morgan, I don't think, had played live with an electric guitar before. She'd played with an electric guitar, but she'd never played as the as M was. Yeah. She'd been as something, someone. And, and Stephen had recorded this album that he never thought would come out as an, as an album. And we were putting it out, and he somehow had to play it live. And yeah, someone came up to him and said that was worth the 50 quid membership fee alone. And you know, there was tears and things. And, and a lot of the members were there on their own because yeah. they're the limited capacity. We couldn't offer everyone a plus one. Sure. So it encouraged everyone to talk to yeah. each other. And they knew they were all music fans. They'd all bought into this concept, and the three performances were absolutely brilliant. So everyone kind of was just buzzing afterwards. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't come down for, for days on end. So, I mean, that kind of must have been, when you were planning this out, that kind of reaction and the reaction in general must be beyond your kind of world of streams, I would think. I've, I've struggled over the last year to get a grip on what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I I imagine that Murray's probably a little bit behind me in struggling to get a grip on what's going on, and I think Stephen and Joe and Andy and Ross have got a better grip on what's going on, because to a certain extent they're more involved in the practicality of it. But as far as the front line goes, I spend my life. I almost need to sit down with with situations like this. I need people to talk to me, so I can convince myself that I haven't imagined the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I really struggle to, to come to terms with it. Uh, I think it may take me a couple of years to look back and actually realise we've done it. I now can remember the launch time. I remember Murray phoning me two days later saying, what do you think of that? And me saying, ah, I can't remember it. I really, <laughs> I walked around clueless for the entire night. Uh, so it sounds like I'm terribly desperate for gratification. It's, I'm not, mm. I just would like people to tell me what they think because I struggle to grasp it's actually sure. happening. Yeah, and, and I think what's interesting in mm-hmm. We're, we're kind of jumping ahead a bit we can go back but but now that people are renewing yes and and, and now now it's a time where we are getting incredible feedback from people you know I mean I met um, a friend of mine last night Phil yeah. who said he had such a you know he renewed and said he had such a lovely email from me and, and I think that's the thing that you know we do want people to feel a real part of it and we want them to be thanked and and also we want to provide good customer service yeah you know and, you know from our, our communication to them and certainly the feedback we've been getting is positive just go back briefly to the live experience Um, it is like everyone has been I suppose everyone has been invited individually but you get people as you say coming up to you saying how are you are you involved in this yet and all this stuff and so you've got these really diverse acts, as you see, you've got some from Stephen, you know, from the organ, you've got all these different people, but everyone's just going, that's brilliant, what's yes. next? Yeah. And that's amazing. In fact, the, the, the Christmas gig that you put was yeah. on in, in Mono was exactly like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone was just like, you know, going to... Yeah, that was really that was really And it was joyous, actually, when you went backstage at that and you saw Mark's band sitting talking to Boo Hoo Hoo and then talking to someone else. And it's that 
that you really want to create. You want the artists and the bands to feel like they are part of something that cherishes them and, appre- and, and you know, appreciates their talent. Yeah. But then you've got to hope that they will turn around and show that appreciation back to the the fans. And what's been really interesting is, is you know, over the last few weeks is watching artists join the label. Right. You know, so we've had people oh, that are in okay. bands suddenly say, you know, I want to be part of this. That's and really that's interesting. really lovely when that happens. Uh, it's lovely when anyone joins. You know, I anytime someone joins a label, I'll promptly email them and ask them how and why. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a guy a few weeks ago from, from Seattle, from nowhere, came on and bought all of Boohoo Hoo's EPs, one of each colour. It's the same EP, but they're different colours. He bought one of each colour. And I wrote to him saying, my word, that's a statement of, you know, adoration of a band. Thanks very much for your support. Every penny we get is really important. Thanks for it. And, and simply by writing to him, yeah. he joined the label. And then after joining the label, he bought our entire back catalogue. Yeah. So suddenly I was shipping Mark's record, Morgan's record, Charlotte's record, Team Canteen's USB, the last copy of Stephen's album, to a guy in Seattle who will never... Make it to a launch event. Mm, never, never well, yeah. event. But in principle, <laughs> yes. he's not going to get. But he's joined the forum. He's there. He's seeing things. And even from there, he's picked up in some sense a community. Mm. And that's incredibly rewarding when that happens. Yeah. And that's something I guess you know you can say right, we're going to do this. Are we going to release music? But the idea of then having a roster of bands and also an audience who interact in that way, I guess part of that's luck or part of it is just um, well this is what we believe and if you believe what we believe then you'll follow us in a kind of Pied Piper way for I think the thing I mean we've, we've <laughs> skipped past this but actually I think pr- prior to the launch night the night that told me we were really on to something special was the was a Monday night in Distill mm-hmm. the bar in Argyle Street leading up to this Monday night in Distill we'd been talking amongst the label and we knew that Brian Sweeney, the photographer and visual artist, was going to be doing the artwork for Mark's single. Right. And I sent Brian an email saying, you know, thank you very much for donating this artwork. It's incredibly precious. We love the fact you've done it. We're going out Monday night for a board meeting. It'd be lovely if you pop in for a beer. And Brian turned up for a beer. And Brian sat down next to myself and Stephen. I don't know if you were here at this point or not, but he sat down next to Stephen and I, and I'm sure Joe was there or Andy was there, and Brian said, I'm, I'm going to say something to you. Now, feel free to tell me to bugger off. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking I might become your label photographer. And we all looked at each other and thought, hang on a minute. This is a guy at the top of his game. Yeah. This guy's done PJ Harvey. He's filmed Coldplay. He's made... You know, teenage fan club videos. This guy's hardly struggling for work, and he's actually asking if he can yeah. work with us. Mm. And we haven't managed over the year to do everything with Brian would like to do. But what's incredible about that is the fact that here's somebody who's looked at this bunch of reprobates and gone, "Their parts in the right place. My heart's in the right place. Let's do stuff together." And I think at the point Brian offered his services, I think we all stopped and thought. Maybe we're onto something here. Yeah, and I think going back to the launch night as well, um, Brian, you know, produced the artwork for Mark. Mm-hmm. So again, putting that out with the Sweeney artwork, Mark on it, the guy from Leaves in Iceland on it, um, produced by Rod Jones from Michael Dowd. It was, you know, it was like 
Wow, where they're going to get this guy from? Because Mark was completely unknown. Yeah, and Brian turned up to that launch night, and before <laughs> he delivered or presented Mark's video, which was projected onto a, a sheet mm-hmm. against the back wall, Brian decided to deliver a speech to the audience. Now, I can repeat none of this speech. It's unrepeatable. But everybody that was there, was there I think, will take Brian's speech to the grave. Yeah, it was astounding. This this absolute, we're here to destroy the establishment, this is going to change the world, none of which is ever going to happen, but to see Brian Sweeney stand up with such passion and mm. control an audience of people who thought, my what, you know, yeah, no, we've, it was great. we've stumbled onto something here. It was punk. It was, it was great. So, was I'm interested as well then about how you've kind of built, or, or taken on board the bands that you have, because as we say, they seem to really work well together, very different often in terms mm-hmm. of the yeah. music they have, but there does seem to be not just a record label that links them, there seems to be something else as well. I think yeah. there is. I mean, I think Murray came to the first meeting having known Mark, having been involved in some capacity with Velveteen Saints, whether as a fan or helping out, but knew them. And Mark Murray turned up with this suggestion of the first release. And I think every day in the board went, well, frankly, we... This is this is a great idea. Mm-hmm. It's also the first idea, yeah. so it's probably the right idea. And I think there was a general sense of this seems like a good seems like a good egg. Yeah. Murray, Mark, and I met for a coffee, and I left that thinking, well, he's definitely a good egg. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a nice guy. Yeah. It's a guy you want to help. Yeah. Uh, you know, probably about a month earlier, I had already met Morgan already expressed to Morgan that I thought she was supremely talented and expressed a desire and I think what's happened over the course of the year and the other guys won't mind us saying it for the most part it's either been Murray coming up with a band and saying I think we should work with these people or it's been me coming up with a band and saying I think we should work with these people mm-hmm. and probably one for one that's been what's been happening through the one exception would be Teen Canteen where we both turned up and said we should be working with these people uh, and I yeah. genuinely think we've got to a point now, we talked about this the other night when we all got together, that if somebody suggests an artist, they're probably worth being suggested. Yeah. Sure. You know, if somebody's going to get past that point of one person editing them, I mean, the classic example would be would be the last artist we signed, Sister John. We had a meeting with Amanda here on a Monday night, and by the Tuesday I'd emailed the guys, and by the Wednesday we'd agreed it, and by the Friday we'd released a single. And it was incredibly fast. And, it, and most of it comes down from my perspective to meeting with people and saying, really like them. They get it. Yeah. You know, Ian McKinnon and Medicine Men is a great example of that. Murray had been talking about Ian and Medicine Men for months and we met for a beer two weeks ago. And you meet Ian and think, you know, you're cut, we're cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. Completely different backgrounds, completely different lifestyles, but cut from that same cloth of cooperation. And I think all of our acts come from that background of let's help each other. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, definitely. And I think uh, we, as a label, you know, as Ian said, we do have jobs and families and mm-hmm. other interests as well. You know, we're putting so much time in it, into it. So you know, we don't have to be friends with our artists. If we become friends, great. But we want to get on with them. Yes. You know, um, it's too short life is too short. <laughs> yeah, to, exactly. Yeah. We want we want to work together. Um, and yeah, you know, the meeting with Ian was great. Sister John, we, we just went phenomenally well. They came to what was it? They came to they came to Boo, and, and that's the yeah. funny thing. Sister John, who 
I don't know how you'd categorise them, but I would not have expected that band to be at the front of the nice and sleazies watching Boo Hoo Hoo, but they were. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, they're all chatting and getting on. And the other week, I noticed Johnny from Sister John sending Mark a message on Facebook about how excited he was about the album. And then I see Mark sending a message back. And yeah. I know Mark and Carla met the other week to discuss things. And I know Morgan is chatting to Boo Hoo Hoo about doing stuff together. So there's a real sense that they're part of a community yeah and that's that's a joy yeah that's great uh, and I think I mean there are cliques in Glasgow there always will be but but by and large I think uh, you know you get a sense of some uh, you get a feel for someone uh, or you get a feel for their band or, or the music they're putting out and um, the feeling that we're building is, is <coughs> one of involvement and in, in community and help and support you know so um, yeah, and that, that, that Mark met uh, Carla to discuss. You know, like, oh, you know, I got a problem with this register and these songs for blah blah blah, and you know, Carla met him to sort out. You know, yeah, and, and that, that that's fantastic. Um, I think you know the support that like Stephen Souls had, and that you know he's this guy who's brought out a, a great album, but you know some of it's quite crazy, very eclectic, and all of a sudden he's got like you know Boo Hoo saying that's brilliant, and he's going that's brilliant. I made your album four years ago. <laughs> you know, and there's that sense of humour and there's yeah. that sense of appreciation and and I think also the appreciation for the label, the fact that especially the, the artists that have been involved from early doors like Mark and Morgan and Stephen, they've seen this, you know, our online private forum for members build. Yeah. And and the feedback that people are giving the label and the feedback that are people that are giving them online but also at the at the shows. You know, really coming up to them and showing them support. Like Stephen did that support slot at the, the Poetry Club, um, and he said, you know, a few label members came up to him and oh yeah, he spoke for you uh, yeah. and just said, you know, brilliant, you know. And so you've got to uh, from a kind of standard start from definitely you've got to this stage now with you know a lot of quite a few releases in a short space of time under your belt and various artists. How do you then, are, are, are you, is it a time-taking stock and working with the artists you have, or is it a case of saying, we, I was just go back to the idea about, you know, this is part-time, this is, we have other things on the go, we don't want to be too big or try and grow it too big. And the reason I've said this is because, as you all know, it's happened previously, people have tried to, you know, yeah. grow We big, can't right? grow too big. I think, yeah. I think within the label we have... Everybody's able to pull the reins back in someone else, and nobody does it more to each other than Murray and I do it to each other. I'll flights a fancy, and Murray will stamp on it. Murray will flights a fancy, and I'll stamp on it. Uh, but generally, there's a will to move in a certain direction. I think we get to a point where we're comfortable, and I think two or three months ago we were probably sparring a little bit about where this year was going to go, mm-hmm. and then gradually certain things fell into place. I know Murray will know what I'm talking about when I say yeah. that because it's generally he and I that are sparring about where yeah. we're going to go. And then suddenly he'll see me going, I'm okay with that. We'll just do that. And then Murray will say, well, then I'm probably okay with that. And before we know where we are, we find ourselves sitting in February going, that'll be 11 releases we've got planned in. Yeah. Now, that actually makes the year an awful lot easier. Mm-hmm. It also makes it a little sad that we probably won't have the opportunity to discover something bizarre and spectacular halfway through the year. But I think, excuse the noise of my dog in the background, uh, I think probably what will happen is we'll run in two-year cycles. 
Right. You know, I, I, I get the sense that year one was generally introducing a lot of acts. Yeah. And year two was cementing them. Yeah. I think year three will be back to introducing more acts and year four will be cementing them. But we have to also realise that our objective is for these bands to break. Yeah. And if they're going to break, they have to leave us. Mm-hmm. So we have to also be trying to send our kids out to the world. Yeah. And we take an interest in different bands individually and we try and do that. You know, I, we will try actively and get our bands signed by other labels. It'll break my heart if one of the bands leaves to go to a major, but at the same time I'll be the first person standing in the platform cheering and waving them off. Sure. Because that's what we have to do. Yeah. Uh, I imagine some bands... Uh, interestingly, when Louder Than War wrote about us, they made the comment that Mark might be our Vinnie Riley. Yeah. Well, it would be lovely to think we have to be somebody we can support forever, but it would always be lovely to think that we would be a stepping stone onto something bigger and maybe not better than us, but greater than us. Right. And that's got to be what our long-term objective is. We yeah. started this business so artists could break. We didn't start it to hang on to them. Yeah, but at the same time, there will be artists who are really happy with our model and mm-hmm. the support we get. If, if we put something out for them and it sells well, you know, and they get to play live, you know, they might be quite happy with that. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, we've got this new model and older models are struggling. Yeah, well, I was going to say so, that because it used to be, you know, the stereotype was indie label breaks a band, major comes along, takes them, and, you know, you know, and repeat. But, I mean, is that still the case in the same probably way? Probably not. There's probably no reason why we couldn't find distribution and be able to break bands because, let's be honest, a band is not going to break worldwide based upon vinyl sales. Yeah. So our model is about small runs of vinyl. But whilst we may have printed 300 copies of everyone's records in the last 12 months, we've distributed all their music onto worldwide platforms that enable endless streaming, endless plays. And, you know, I, I printed a map off, uh, you know, a few months back of where our streams are going, and you look at it and you think, my word, they're listening to is in Brazil, and they're uh, listening yeah, yeah, to yeah. is in Japan, and they're listening to us over yeah. here. So it is feasible that an artist could stay with us mm-hmm. and become bigger, and I would love to think that if one of our artists broke and became big, that they might want to just do a little... Let's do the first 300 with LNFG yeah. and we'll do the next 5,000. Yeah, capital. well, that's the other thing. That we, would be we glorious. We could work with a, another label on a release, whether, yeah. whether it's another um, Scottish label or, you know, a kind of more established indie, you know, who could maybe just help get the... I, I guess the, the publicity for, for an artist that we as yet can't get we had a big I mean one of the kind of sparring sessions we had quite early on in the label was do we put some of the money towards you know like a PR agency yeah sure um, and we, just, we all kind of I think now if we were having that vote it would be five to one probably out yeah. the, the label because we want the money to go to releases and to yeah. the artists we do not want it to go to someone who okay from my experience, sometimes they just push send in an email. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah absolutely. Also, I mean, you'll, you'll receive stuff from absolutely, yeah. the blog. I do too. Yeah. I think, no. Generally going around to a huge list of... All they put is put your name on yeah. a list of things. But, but also what you're doing is you're propping up the house of cards that has been responsible for milking the music mm-hmm. industry for so long. Mm-hmm. So I think we really wanted to do the right thing. And if doing the right thing means occasionally turning away from the 
obvious decision or the commercial decision, that has to be the right course of action. I think, I remember saying to Murray, you know, two or three months ago, if convention says we should move north, we should immediately turn our heels and move south. Mm-hmm. We should just do that. We should just be perpetually, you know, doing the opposite of what convention dictates. Uh, I'd like to think over the last three months in particular, we've made huge strides in terms of publicity. Mm-hmm. You know, you're noticing people finding out about us yeah. where we haven't tried to make them find out about us. Yeah. Yeah. People are naturally Which coming to us. And I make a point of asking anybody who comes to us, what, where, where did you find out about us yeah. from? And it might be I heard a track being played on Radio 6 or I read about you know, the Everton fanzine who cover all of our reviews, the When the Skies Are Grey fanzine. Love us. Now that means that you've got you know people sitting at Goodison Park on a Saturday afternoon flicking through a thing and reading a review of M. Wood single. Yeah. You know, there's something lovely about that. Yeah, that, that, and that, that natural... Momentum is is it's just got so much more strength to it than something that's false. Yeah. You know, we're not we're not desperate to get in obviously we want to get our artists on the radio or written yeah. about and that that's what they want as well. Of but course. at the same time, um anything that happens naturally through word of mouth is better. And again, coming back to the members and having all these people that are wanting to help us and share things and tweet things automatically means that each release has got a lot of people talking yeah. about it. If we sell out on top of that, like, you know, you know, more M's for singles nearly sell out, Teen Canteen sold out really quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got all these people suddenly talking about it. Before things. we get to our anniversary, Morgan, Teen Canteen, Boohoo, Stephen Solo will all be sold out. You know, Mark's not a kick in the shirt behind that yeah. single-wise. Uh, so, yeah, I think... You know, we're, we're starting to make progress. I think we're. What's interesting is if you'd. I, I don't pay an awful lot of credence to top tens or ones to watch lists, but if you'd said to us at the start of the year, we'd get to the end of the year, and when Jim Gellatley put up his 10 acts to watch next year, if two of our acts were on that yeah. list, we'd have not believed you. Yeah. Two are on that list. And then Vic Galloway does the same, and another act is on the list. Yeah. You know, so we're. We're making and establishing a base camp without having to give up on the things we care about. We haven't sold our soul to the devil. We haven't compromised on our principles, and people are starting to pay attention to it. And I think and the way you get the music out there as well is so fragmented now, as opposed to it used to be you may be able to get on Radio 1 or Radio Clyde main playlist or you're not going to get heard but you see BBC's fragmented you've got the yeah. you know um, Radio 6 you've yeah. got um, various podcasts that might put new music out yeah um, you know as you say fan the things about getting into places like football fanzines or stuff like that usually that's similar minded people who yeah. are obsessed yeah. about what they yeah. write about and w- like other people who yeah. have a similar obsession and that's the that's thing I think people that it's fascinating the number of people that come to the label and buy a record and then chat to me for example an email for a couple of days and before you know it they've joined the label because yeah. they just get that yeah. uh, and that's what we've got to do we have to grow in a slow manner and attract as many like minded people as possible and we will undoubtedly have some attrition there'll be some people who go well that's not really what I thought it would be or they might have wanted something from the label we didn't quite deliver but I'd like to think you know, by the time we get to June this year, we'll have, you know, the 200 members we're looking for. And 
you know, we'll, we'll have the year mapped out and the releases all there, and we'll actually be able to deliver to those members, you know, even more than they got even last year. And my lord, yeah. last year they got much more than we promised. Yeah, yeah. And that's incredibly joyful. That we said yeah. we've got two albums and two singles, and they walked away. Even the most cynical people walked away going, my god. Yeah, and this year with like EP, more, rather than seven inches, it's looking more like, you know, EPs. Well, something like five albums, albums an EP. And certainly a digital album and a bundle of digital singles. I mean, it's 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 a hundred plus quid's worth of records, plus thirty quid's worth of gigs. Yeah, for fifty quid. Well, let's talk about the releases themselves because what struck me when I first you know went on your website and you know the, the design of everything, I thought this looks fantastic. Apart from anything else, I mean, the look of it, that's, the that's website. I need to thank for that. <laughs> you were pleased. Well, absolutely, it was. I mean, it's not often the case. Sometimes yeah. you go and think, oh, this is, but this, immediately you went, this looks, you know, like something you want to be involved in. And then you get into the releases, the quality of the, the you know, Stephen's credit card, USB stick, boohoo's, wristband um, of different colours, as you yeah. say. Um, and then you've also got the vinyl itself. Um, uh, what decisions did you come about how to release these different artists in those formats? I, I distinctly remember wanting it to be a vinyl company. Mm-hmm. But then I remember, and Stephen will be the pivotal aspect in this, mm-hmm. I remember having a meeting here where Murray was saying we should put out Stephen's album, and I was saying, how can we press onto an audiophile product something that was recorded on a phone? No dis- disrespect intended to Stephen. No, Stephen no. will wow. get this completely. <laughs> you know, Stephen will absolutely laugh at this fact because he's he completely gets where we're coming from. I wanted that release to be physical. And I've always now Murray will disagree and tons will disagree. I've always hated CDs. I've never seen the point of a CD. I don't get what they're for. But I thought, well, Actually, initially, my idea was let's put it on a membership card, right? And let's have the members bring that membership card to every gig, and when they turn up at the gig, we'll download something new. <laughs> Somebody was quick to point out that the actual time involved in doing yeah. that would make that would it cool, absolutely unworkable. Three hundred people. Uh, in time. <laughs> Before we got to that stage, I actually wanted to bring it out as an app. Then I found out that apps cost a good few grand. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I think the idea was let's bring it out in a card. Well, let's bring it in a USB format. We looked at it, we saw cards, that worked great. Mm. Team Canteen saw us doing that and they approached us and said, Well, you put our album in USB. So we did it for them as well. Boohoo was much more down to time constraints because they wanted the, uh, the tracks to be remixed by Lewis Gardner of Pride mm-hmm. and they wanted to release them and we wanted them out by a day. And the timeline to press a record is about 12 weeks from start to finish. The timeline to make a USB is a couple of weeks. So I remember saying to them, guys, right, we're going to put it in a wristband, and the wristband will be the ticket for the gig, and people won't have to get a stamp in their finger. They'll put, and everybody in the band, I found out afterwards, thought I'd lost it. <laughs> <laughs> they genuinely thought, but they were, they, they were too polite to say, very polite. <laughs> we can't say no, because effectively the label's paying for this. Yeah. But then gradually over time, they started going, oh. and I remember turning up to B. Charlotte's concert with a, with a mock-up of what it was going to look like and slapping it in Greg's wrist and Greg getting a smile on his face. Yeah. And then Lizzie loving it. And then I met Ricky on the day we released him and I gave him a few and he said to me in Central Station, handed over a bag of them. I wasn't sure about this, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, yeah. <laughs> at the launch night, it was tremendous because people turned up and they got the wristband and ones that hadn't pre-ordered one wanted one. Yeah. 
So I've never seen us shift more units at a launch night yeah. than we did at Boohoo. Mm-hmm. You know, we pressed the same number of those as we did of everyone else, and we've got about 15 left. Uh, Jim Gellatly thought, it, I mean, it was yeah. great, and he's going to write about them, play them. Yeah, And I guess because he, he just got it, he didn't have to be emailed to release or anything, he just got it slammed around his wrist. And you get to wear it. I mean, I, I thought I'd be wearing it for months, but I, I gave mine away. Uh-huh. Uh, or I gave one of mine away, yeah. there's still a couple over there. But, you know, I, I, I love the fact that you can wear it, and folks say, what's that? Uh, and I remember at the Christmas effect, Leo from Mount Doubt chatting to me and me handing one to him, and him just thinking it was a it was just a wristband mm-hmm. and he looked a bit confused and I pulled the slip away and you could see the the dawning realisation that it's a flipping album on this you know <laughs> and there's something lovely about that to the point now that I'm trying to work out if we can release Stephen Solo's next album in a USB cake slice which what? I think might be too much <laughs> this is also something you've got to I'm talk about, about, it. about. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, but it goes back to a question you asked earlier so there was a slice of luck in that yeah and thinking it's not going to I mean I, I did want to really bring it out and buy more if we could but I totally understand why we couldn't um, you know due to the potential sound issues but it, it, it was that slice of luck that worked really well yeah you know it was like a cool talking point and it went on to transfer to like Teen Canteen and Boo Hoo and, and the other great thing some, some real accidents happened with that because we got when you work in USB and you work in that format and you're sending information to manufacturers you send it in a slightly different format and we'd manufactured you know 300 of these Stephen Solo albums and we started selling them and then Electronic Sound Mag picked up on it and wrote an article about it and then people who read Electronic Sound Mag bought it and then one day I got an email from a guy and the email read is this album meant to be alphabetical? (laughs) And I stopped in my tracks and thought, I've never ever thought about this before. And I emailed Stephen to say, eh, mate, we might have released your album alphabetically. Was it meant to be alphabetical? And he said, no, but I think it's better that way. <laughs> so the album's become alphabetical. So it just kind of formatted its way, like, well, yeah. well it tracks A to Z. And it never occurred to us. So now we have to preface everything with a number, or otherwise yeah. it alphabetizes it. But Stephen was, like, was great about it. I, uh, I actually quite like it alphabetically, and now it's alphabetical. USB also allows you to put on lots of extras, yeah. so you can put yeah. on videos, of demos, course. Stephen had artwork poems, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, Boo Hoo Hoo had a downloadable tattoo, yeah. and a flute transcript of the flute solo. So you can do all that kind of stuff that I think makes up for the fact it's not a record. And it's also that kind of stuff that people who are, are really into the music, it's like we were talking about hidden tracks earlier on, uh, um, or um, you know, going out with a piece of vinyl and reading the little inscription, yeah. on, it's that little bit extra that people who obsess over the music really want, and it makes yeah. a big difference to them. Yeah, I remember reading some of the tweets that were coming in from people that were getting these, and there was a, a whole ream of people getting them and filming themselves putting their boo-hoo-hoo wristband on and talking about the just how bizarre it was. And I don't think we planned this year to do anything else totally nut job. But yeah. we will probably release probably something in a format. <laughs> and when it comes to it, you know, we'll sit down and go, how can we do this? What will be interesting about this? Uh, the, the original thing was about the quality and the quality of everything you've released has, has been, you know, as high as I can think of it. Was that something that you decided early on? Absolutely. If you're going to do yeah. this, we're going to make sure it's the best. Absolutely. We had to make a statement with the first release and we followed that up very quickly with... Uh, with Morgans, you know, like both of the Brian Sweeney artwork, yeah, yeah. you know, both just the ins- the kind of label insert yeah. sticker 
what do you call that? You call it the label. The label that's on the record, yeah, mm-hmm. in the middle of the record. Look great. Um, and yeah, we're we're just we're just really proud and and happy to put it out. And I think, you know, the, the kind of look and feel of it was just was just fantastic. The sound, the two accompanying videos for Mark and Morgan's yeah. singles uh, was were, were both fantastic. Both again, both Brian Sweeney. So we made a statement and we, and we we've just kind of followed that up. And now we don't want to. Yeah, you you, you reach out, Sam. You don't want to go bother yeah, with that. We we don't. I mean, that was something we talked about a lot before we started the yeah. label you know it had to be good quality stuff you mentioned briefly um, Vinnie Riley and, and uh, going on at Factory Records but who what, did you have influences or models about you know who you would like to kind of follow in terms of record companies no, I, I've always been a record buyer I've never really cared that much for who the label was I mean of course you, you look at Factory and you think well there was something tremendously punk and wonderful about that but I never looked at them and thought they knew what they were doing no. so I think in some sense we might have a little bit of that factory spirit at heart well, when, I, when I saw your credit cards and I saw you I was thinking about you know Vinnie Riley's sandpaper sleeve yeah. or of course the Blue Monday cover that yeah. lost money every time it was sold so there's, a, there's, a, there's <laughs> that element of trying to be a little bit avant-garde but also at the heart of it is it's got to be good quality and we we know what we're doing as businessmen. You know, we're not we're not naive and charging in. We're, we're, we're sitting down just now. We know what our budget and our plan yeah. is for the year. And every single time a record gets bought, I'll very quickly adjust our budget. And if that puts two ninety nine on a profit or takes one pound off it, we know constantly where we are. We know whether we've got to push things or, or whether we can accelerate or not. The real excitement last year was that we started the year thinking... We're going to do two singles and two albums. And very quickly, I remember sitting in this house having a meeting one night and Stephen and I and Murray having a three-way conversation where Stephen and I were saying, we're going to make more money and we're going to have to spend it. Right. And I'm thinking, if we're going to have to spend it, we can't wait till we've got it to spend it because that'll be too late. We have to start spending it now. We're not going to do these four things this year. We're going to do... Six or seven things, as it was. That was an interesting conversation. Because <laughs> we're not not for profit. Yes, of course. Label, you know. As it was, we've done we did eleven things last year. You know, it's and some of that came out of nowhere. But we planned to release four things, and suddenly one of them takes off, and Team Canteen does well. So that's what makes Morgan and Boohoo Hoo possible, and Boohoo Hoo does well. So suddenly Sister John becomes possible. Yeah. And if Sister John does well, then something else becomes possible. So we could find ourselves in November this year sitting there going, well, we need to do something with the money we've got. Yeah. And I think if we get to that, I think I'm speaking out of turn here, I think if we get to that point that we have surplus, we will look to find a way of investing that mm-hmm. in artists yeah. in a non-release mechanism. Yeah. If we can sit down and say, guys, there's a recording fund yeah. or there's a promotional fund or there's a fund for a tour... Uh, the fact is, we're never going to bank a profit. Yeah, yeah, because we can't. There is only so many releases we can put out sure. here, um, for our own sanity and also to make sure the artists aren't in too much competition with each other. If we're if we're bringing out something all the time, sure. But yeah, I mean, I think that's potentially the next exciting step for the label is if if our releases come out and do well, and in particular this year because we're bringing out EPs, many albums, or albums, then. 
it sounds boring, but if you bring out a seven-inch single, you really don't make any money. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Because you know to sell it like even five quid is kind of like that's that's you making yeah. a quid of that if you sold out. But if you're if you're bringing out an album, then there's more money for artists. They're going to make more money. We're going to get more money back. True. Um, to invest in other artists, and and then yeah, we can look at saying, do you know what, Brian Sweeney can do this for you some kind of crazy video concept or do you know what we're going to book a, a week in La Chonky we're going to get all you guys in a room together for a week and see what you can come up with something yeah, something I, crazy like that I remember sitting here in, in July or August I mean the thing was at the outset of the label we met every month practically and then over the last six months we've met every we've met when somebody has said I need to get you in a room to yes, talk about uh, things we've developed this lovely flow of trust which is glorious uh, and I think probably Murray and I speak every couple of days, and then I see Andy and Stephen every week, and you'll see Joe quite regularly as well. So there's that flow of knowing what's going on. But I remember sitting in a meeting here one night where Stephen was trying to explain to Murray the fact that he felt we had built the world's first functional Ponzi scheme. Right. That every single bit of success we had meant more releases, which meant more success. Yes which meant more releases. And Stephen and I then spent a good two or three days looking at spreadsheets and trying to work out the point <laughs> at which we broke it. Because yeah. there would come a point of course, as that it absolutely breaks. And I think we worked out, and that's where we've got to this point this year, where we understand what 200 members means and what that means for production numbers and what it means for artist return. Because there could come a point where every £50 membership costs us £52. Yeah. At that point we've broken the model mm-hmm. but it's fascinating especially when you get to a situation that you've maybe released five records they're all sitting in, in, in your warehouse and the warehouse is that table in the corner which you can see and that's the size of our warehouse uh, if somebody comes along who's bought Teen Canteen's album and suddenly wants to join the label well technically speaking what they're doing is taking stock that we've got of us and paying us for the privilege yeah. so they become a really valuable customer but then you've got them next year and suddenly they're taking things off you on a cost basis so the economics of it is fascinating <laughs> yeah. what's, what's interesting hopefully here fascinating is, for your listeners yeah well. absolutely no, <laughs> but, 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 but my point is that what's interesting about this is I don't imagine Factory when they started had anybody who would sit and think <laughs> hang on a minute we might be about to break this. Yeah. And I think we have that because we've all run businesses, we've all not, got jobs. Not from the books I've read about yeah. no. <laughs> uh, I think everybody's got a little, you know, Stephen will email me at 11 o'clock and say, I think you've missed something. I'll say, No, I haven't. I'm onto this stage. And Stephen will say, That's great. Everybody's got this little ability. So tonight, when we've sent money to someone to pay for a record, within 10 minutes, I had two text messages, one confirming it was gone and one confirming the next stage. So what we've got is a very clued up people trying to run a punk business. Yeah, yeah. And I think that makes a slight difference. We need, we need to get that on the website. <laughs> <laughs> so next time I come in here, it's not going to have a, like a million pound table that you've ever Definitely not. But we might buy a club. <laughs> Funnily enough. Uh, See, it all comes out talking. Our friend, Never mind this recording budget. <laughs> our friend Davy that does our production artwork for us. So he's the guy that checks all our graphics and makes things work. David's also a business consultant and he found out with the model and went away and built us a five-year plan and year five had us buying the arches. (laughs) (laughs) That won't be happening. It's it's past that now. (laughs) Um, So I guess what is the the plan next? I mean, you say you've got all your releases up to this year. Can you afford to look beyond this year or...? 
Can <laughs> artists afford to wait for us to look beyond next yeah. year? I don't know. Yeah, well, well, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we we act in on a very much like in a case-by-case basis, mm-hmm. you know, and um, there will be some things that we'll probably have to let go this year and we'll probably hate it and regret it. But we do, the way it's looking just now is, you know, we've got Mark's album coming out, which is part of the the talking financial year 2016 17 financial yeah. year um, I think we'll be able to see what we're it's kind of out in the, the, the well yeah so our first sure. release of this year will be Teen Canteen's EP uh, and then we've got records in the pipeline from Medicine Men that we know about we've announced that yeah. we're working with Morgan again on an album we're working with Boo Hoo Hoo on an album we're working with Sister John on an album Uh Stevens apparently recorded Pi 2 Fantastic I think by his own terms He's not sure if it's genius or garbage <laughs> Of all the <laughs> best things You know I'm sure it doesn't matter He'll never decide if it's genius or garbage yeah. uh, We've got another band that we're speaking to That we hope to put out at the end of the year And I, I have no doubt Murray will have kittens at me saying this I have no doubt at <laughs> some point in the year somebody will turn up waving a band's manifesto and saying we've got to work with these people yeah. and then everybody will bang heads together and make it work yeah. the The amount of submissions we get is staggering yeah, I mean, that's it's incredible. frightening we've had three today alone uh-huh. uh, and everyone <laughs> we get I vowed I would reply to everyone personally, and today I've managed to do that, but that's probably been 150, 200 yeah. bands I've written to. And of those 150 bands, 141 have been told, we can't. Mm-hmm. But I think, I really believe that those 141 bands that we've told we can't to have gone away, not hacked off, not feeling like they don't matter. They've not been ignored. Yeah. They've not been at the bottom of a pile. And quite a lot mm. of them have gone away with a really a good sense of goodwill towards us. And maybe in a couple of years we'll, we'll find something we like yeah. about them or they like about us. But it's really important to me we not be like other record companies yeah. and other record companies' standard response and approach is just to ignore it. Just yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just. I think um, artists also will, will kind of have to learn that you know if they are wanting to put out something with us and hopefully we agree to it there is a turnaround time you know so if they say if they, ha- if they come to us with something and say we want to put this out in, in March we would have to say absolutely yeah. not one we've got other stuff in the pipeline but two actually to, to kind of get the artwork together to print everything up and to get the record out takes a, takes some yeah. time so we, we did fly by the seat of our pants and god we did really well last year Um uh, there was a bit of work involved. We also had the right people involved in, in the label to, to make that happen. Um, this year, I guess, just because, as Ian said, last year was a kind of development year for, like, you know, Mark and Morgan bringing out Seven Inches, uh, Boo bringing out an EP. Now, they, now they're moving on to the next stage. So it helped us, because they can say to us, well, do you know what? We'll have a mini album or an EP or an album ready yeah. round about this time. So we can, we're a bit more organised, I guess. Um, which is exciting I guess that fly by the seat of the pants thing was brilliant last year because you know we didn't know what was going to happen and that was half the fun we still have lots of fun but I guess you you, you learn as you go we've learned a lot sure from, from yeah the I think year. it's been the biggest learning cover of my life yeah <laughs> you know I, I, the, the things that I know about now that I never even dreamt I'd know I know so much about MCPS it's frightening yeah uh, and that's fascinating and but it's also lovely to look at the bands and, and see them develop with a sense of comfort 
You know, I'm sure Mark... I don't know what Mark was thinking when he agreed to release his first record with us. I imagine, I expect, to some extent, he was thinking, ah, this will be... This will, this will just disappear, this will just be whatever. Because he was he was basically going with a bunch of, it would appear, clueless individuals who'd never done this before. I'd like to think that everybody that comes to us now has some kind of sense that actually we know what we're doing. Well, that's why you're getting so many people happen. contacting you, because yeah. that's the reputation that you've built up over yeah. a short period. Yeah, because Mark, actually, when we put his 7-inch out, his album was ready. Yeah. But, but we said, you know, when we met him for that coffee, we kind of said, well, look, you know, we are new. Why don't we put the 7-inch out and, mm-hmm. and let's just see how it goes. So now, by the time it comes to release his album at the end of January, we are, I guess, a, a relatively established label in Glasgow, it's and that's better for him because he's releasing his album on a label that's established. He's releasing it at the right time, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's worked out. And, and I guess that was that duty of care that we've got with all our artists. We said, well, let's keep the album and, and let's test the 7 inch first. And, and then we came up with a plan for Celtic Connections, which has kind of worked well. Again, it's just it's just all. Which I believe sold out, is that right? Yeah. It is, yeah, which is great. But, and again, there was that sense of luck because they're fucking pint. We were in touch with them and they offered us a few dates and we went with the opening night. So if anyone goes on the Celtic Connections website, what's on? Yeah. Mark's actually... Yeah, oh, yeah, that's that's exactly. You can't be Mark a lot of Marling. That's a lot of Marling and You've got the choice. You don't fancy a lot of Marling in the concert. But that's the other thing and I think that's... We should have gone for a bigger venue. That's what's fascinating about it is we've put on... We've put on... Well, Boo Hoo Hoo, sold out. Teen Canteen, sold out. Mm-hmm. Mark Johnson, sold out. Yeah. Launch night, sold out. So people, Christmas effect sold out. Yeah. And people are coming. To yeah. the, so artists are coming to the label uh, with a level of expectation that is well below the level of expectation I think they should have coming yeah. to the label. But they come to us and they're, they're basically being told by signing to last night from Glasgow, two hundred people will buy your album. Straight off the bat, they're, yeah. they're getting it, and they're going to come and perform a gig. And there is absolutely—I mean, you'd be better speaking to the bands to get this, but there's no doubt that it was a certainly boohoo that I worked with very closely. That little period of running from releasing the EP to playing the launch night to them suddenly being named—you know—Radio Scotland Single of the Week—they started that with a set of expectations. Their expectations now are. Yeah. sky high in comparison to that and a lot of that is just down to the fact that we have this ready made custom yeah. fan base yeah. and it's great when a band come along and clicks but I think every band has clicked yeah. and, the, and the really lovely thing about that is that people have been willing to contribute and do things so we've got Mark playing an in-store at LP Records around the corner we've made an agreement with LP Records going forward that they will allow our members to come into store and pick up their records for free. Yeah, yeah. So Should that means we're not having to post them. Right. They get people through the door, so Mark's repaying them by playing a little gig. When Morgan's record turned up in the house, Morgan turned up with her guitar and her amp and set up in the corner of the living room and played a 25-minute set and Stephen turned up and Teen Canteen turned up and a bunch of members turned up and there were 40 people in this house yeah. on a Monday night with Morgan doing a 25 minute set and I think everybody sees that and we're trying to build that community with you know, we're all record fans we're all record buying fans so we don't just want the music industry to succeed we don't just want bands to succeed I want LP records and love music and mono to succeed yeah. so if we can find a way of 
not being seen as their competition but actually their allies and get bands to interact and get fans to interact maybe we can maybe we can change the world Murray there you go <laughs> we can improve it definitely um, no I, I think um, yeah Ian's made a good point you know we are we love going into records shops you know um, when I was in LP records uh, at the weekend there and um, just kind of wander around and, and flicking through vinyl and um, you know we want our records to be in there yeah exactly and uh, you know I guess most of our sales will always be online or at gigs and things that's just because of the size of the label we are but but if we can get a few records out there if we know bands that are going to do well especially if we've worked with them before so you know God, I wish we'd pressed an extra 100 copies of the Teen Canteen album but it was cool that it's so, I think it's cool that it's sold yeah, out of course um, and you know a copy for the Christmas effect went for 260 quid on, yeah. on eBay you know um, because there's not any copies out there yeah. um, but you know if we were working with them again we think well do we print more especially if we're up to 200 members Medicine Men I think is going to do really well judging by the online response to it um, but yeah I mean, the, the artists as well will want their records out there and I think as well being able to deliver that audience as you say you know, the, certainly everyone that have been out for your gigs it's been rammed it's been sold out now I've got a lot of gigs good bands and sometimes there's maybe 20, 25 folk yeah. if you're lucky in there sometimes mm-hmm. less and to be able to say to a band if you have one of our nights you, you know you're, there's going to be a full house for you yeah. then that's why yeah. a lot of bands do it yeah. They want to play, they want to, they want to, they want to play to an audience that loves them. Yeah. And it's and there's there's lovely little things that happen. You know, so there are people that have joined our label because they were fans of bands. And I could name check stacks of them, people that have come to us because they were fans of Team Canteen, yeah. or they were fans of Boohoo, or they were fans of Mark. And then we've got people who have joined the label and fallen in love with mm-hmm. bands. Uh, and people who are now you know, I look on social media and I see Boohoo announcing that they're playing a gig and suddenly five members have rushed in and bought tickets for yeah. it because they're in love with this band and we've got members who are in love with Mark and want to go and see them and there's people that I know will go and see Morgan when she plays and we've bought, built up those lovely little pockets of fandom yeah. you know, I, but the artists recognise it and know them and let's be honest, you know, I spent my life wanting to be acknowledged by a pop star. You know, you'd go to a gig and, and hope that they winked at you or smiled at you or shook your hand. Because the truth of it is, you know, everybody's just an honest Joe trying to do well and, yeah. and make a buck. And there's no mystique about it. And as you actually start to work with bands and people, you realise that there's nothing intrinsically different about no. somebody that writes and records music and somebody that does something completely different and I think to some extent we've managed to break down that barrier that the artist might feel to the, the member of the public but much better for those members we've given them a platform to kind of meet point. their heroes yeah I think that's a really good point I think one other point I was just going to make there Alistair um, is that we don't have a contract with any acts. It's, it's very much a handshake. The only thing we ask them is to is to play a, a night for our members. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, are in complete artistic control over the, the artwork, um, the track lasting, um, yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, they own all the rights to their music. Yeah, so that kind of freedom's a rare thing as well. Yeah, so it's a bit of a factory yeah. thing again. So if a, if a, you know, a, a larger label came in and said, we want to re-release... Boohoo's EP and say yeah go for it mm-hmm. you know um, we don't or, want it or Teen Canteen's album you know 
then yeah, fine. Yeah, we leave ourselves open to being abused, but we. It's the way you want to do it. Oh yeah, and I mean, to be I able th- to do it the way that you want, you know, you plan to do it right from the beginning, something. I think you have to. I think if you're going to go into a situation and ask bands to trust you, you have to be willing to trust them. Yeah. And I we, think we as a board, we've them. developed that trust with each other as well. Yeah. Uh, but th- there's no doubt that not being a profit-driven business makes it incredibly easy to trust people and be trusted by people because yeah. they know there's not any attempt to, you know, yeah. the money's got to be spent on something. Yeah, because uh, yeah, after we met with Ian from Medicine Man, I think he put up on Facebook something like, "Oh, you know, a modern day cooperative record label in 2017. Who would have thought? Yeah. You know, and I guess it is. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's thinking outside the box, but it's but in, in some ways it's not. It's just common sense. It's, yeah. So it's not. It's not really. If you think about how music began, and you know, the the way music was funded centuries ago, it was funded by benevolent individuals paying people to make music there's really nothing different about what we're doing although we call ourselves crowdfunded I don't actually think it's a crowdfunded concept Mm -hmm. I think it's much more uh, it's much more charitable in the way it functions it's very much come in and invest in us and we will invest in the artist and we'll try and make it function it's very much the way that not comparing ourselves to the people, but the way that you know Beethoven and Bach and Mozart were funded, they were funded by wealthy individuals saying, "Off you go, write me a symphony." Uh, they weren't making their money by playing concerts and selling manuscripts. Yeah. They were they were living at the behest of people who thought it was worthwhile to support them, uh, and I think. We're a crowd-funded version of that. I like that, yeah. <laughs> 18th century princes, Austrian yes. princes. I like that. Uh, I'm aware that we've probably been cracking on for an hour and we could probably go on for another couple. Yep. But uh, I'm, uh, I think we'll call it a night there. But thanks yeah. very much for doing this, guys. Thank no, you. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Time, no problem at all. Um, and if you haven't checked it last night from Glasgow, their stuff is quality throughout um, and get involved I would say but uh, we'll be back soon with someone completely different cheers so that was the first podcast of 2017 and I hope you'll have found it as interesting to listen to as uh, I did recording it um, what should come over um, is the passion um and naked enthusiasm that Ian and Murray have for what they do, but also the professionalism that they have for what they do. This isn't just some written on the back of a fag packet operation, as I'm sure you now realise. This is something very serious, and I hope that other people can perhaps learn lessons from what Last Night from Glasgow have done. But if you want some hard proof as to their worth, well, we can give you that because from Mark W. Georgeson's debut album, this is Stay and uh, it's a beautiful track. It's a beautiful album. Before you hear it, I just want to say thanks again for listening and we'll be back with you very soon. chose to leave my one true love behind Cause she could never really love me But if I had the chance to do it all again I 
Stay away. I'd stay away. 